remakes are everywhere. They're all around us. Even now in this very podcast. You can see it when you turn on your console. When you go online. When you turn on your television. It is the nostalgia that they lie to you with and they pull over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Whoa, what truth? That you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison of your mind. Unfortunately, no one can simply be told what remakes are. You have to see them for yourself. This is your last chance. You take the blue pill. You continue to enjoy your life, playing games from your childhood with minor graphical upgrades and for the full price of a new game. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland and we show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And we shall chase that rabbit here on the podcast today with a campaign comrades your favorite leftist gaming podcast i'm your host uh matt with me as always are my co-hosts i'm mike i'm ben what up it's rick or you could call me keanu it's me that was, was much better than your first it's me keanu, keanu. Well, that was no, a I mean, great I was 90s doing, I was, keanu yeah i was doing my bill and ted keanu come on yeah, that you, you can't channel new Keanu when you're doing a, a Matrix. You yeah. got to pull the... Whoa, dude. Whoa. <laughs> My favorite Keanu is Point Break Keanu. Uh-huh. No, Point also Break. a valid one. <laughs> uh, Patrick Swayze, it's classic. And uh, speaking of classics, I mean, isn't it great when, you know, they take those classics and they remake them? You know, New Point Break, right? Uh, <laughs> we, we loved New Point Break. Fuck in yeah, the, that movie in, is in this ridiculous. Ha- in this house, we love New Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, actually. It's uh, the the art, if you want to call it that. Or lack thereof. The, remake, yeah. the remaster. The port. We are talking about when you take Ooh. a game that exists and you bring it to new hardware, you bring it to a new generation something that we've actually seen a lot of recently, especially 2021. Uh, I know uh, we have the recency bias of the GTA trilogy that recently came out. There was a lot of fun, uh, fun issues that started there with launch. Uh, I just want to clarify for listeners though, you will be hearing this, you know, much after when we're recording it. So keep in mind that uh, the recency of, you know, when you're listening to when we're recording. Time's a circle, anyways. Honestly. But, you know, we have the GTA trilogy, then you have something like the Diablo 2 Resurrected that also released in 2021 this uh, fall. I know that had a lot of anticipation amongst my D&D table from work. A lot of reactions were not good, though. Uh, What were their thoughts? What were their thoughts? Unfortunately, the one who was looking forward to doing it dropped off our table like two weeks before launch, and as far as I know, he no life that game for like a month. Right, he so he, he was a college writer. professor and it was summer break. Mm, fair enough. I know there's also the uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl recently. Another classic yes. game freak bringing old Pokemon back to new, but not really, and d- doing their thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I this, have. I, we'll say, are we are we sensing a pattern here? You know, say all the all these <laughs> all these recent uh, you know pa- uh, games of you know being relaunched, and you know they've just been universally panned as dog shit. I mean, it's it's pretty much the the easy route. You know, it's something that already exists that you're only you're 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 upraising a little bit sometimes. Well, I think that's a that's a probably a good place, right, to talk. Like, I think we're already starting to mix terminology i know i know you i know you had homework for us we had to we had to we had to study what what was what so so teacher matt tell us what's what's uh what's the right word so what we're gonna do we're gonna start on the scale you've got what we call the traditional port or re-release is when you take the original game and you just bring it to something new 
don't change it no updates it's uh famously what happens to a lot of the switch uh ports that's aptly enough a lot of switch games are just ports from the wii u occasionally they're remastered you know like uh mario kart 8 deluxe you know it's got a couple more courses Woo! which is essentially what sucked about the newest mario kart is that it was just all of the other tra- like there was nothing really new to it a lot of pe- a lot of people did not like that it was a a remake of the the Wii version but i think as we'll that, see, as we'll see is that didn't stop it you know from being you know an incredible success no. and like the one of the I most mean, the, popular the switch, like, switch titles Kart, ever the switch mario kart bundle goes on the shelf every holiday season it sells out every holiday season and I think yeah, because it's the it's the game you get people who get the Switch. I mean, you get the Mario Kart, right? But I think that's where it's gonna. We're, it's something that we're gonna get to later on. Is it's the the opinions and the ideas of of these things are pretty standard and universal. Yet I'm interested in digging into. So then, why do they still sell so well? Exactly. Next on the tier, we have the remaster, which is when you take the original game and you upres it a little bit. You add some quality of life changes. You improve the game from what it was originally to be. You get a lot of these with like a Final Fantasy VIII Remastered or a Super Mario 64 DS. This is a fun one. This is when they brought Super Mario 64 to the Nintendo DS. That could be considered a remaster because it was a lot of added content to that game. Uh, you get like the Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD uh, remasters on Wii U. Another classic up-res, you know, make the game look better, run better, put it on better hardware. That is a little more effort than just taking the same game and just plopping it onto new hardware. Then you've got the full-on remake, which is when you take a game and you completely, from the ground up, reconstruct it, take it in a new direction. Think of it more as taking the idea of a game and completely reworking how it uh, how it plays, what it does. When you hear remake, it's exactly what it sounds like remaking the game. Uh, you get a lot of like crash insane trilogy recently. That was a fun, uh, bringing crash to modern, uh, hardware. Final fantasy seven remake is a game that I played a lot and I liked, uh, on PS five. I've not played it on PC. I do not use Epic launcher. Uh, you've got the resident evil two and three, uh, recently remade. Uh, and brought to newer stuff all over the place, all the new consoles and whatnot. Yeah, I think of the ones we've like broadly just named, the remake is the one I think was given like the most purpose and like can understand why people are doing those. It takes the most effort. And that's why there's the fewest, uh, fewest of them. Matt, I have a question for you. Do you think there are, at least from our generation, any uh, remakes that you where you have played both you know the original and and the remake that where the remake is better than the first do you think that's possible i would argue that the ratchet and clank 2016 remake reboot remaster it's mm-hmm. kind of a like weird mixed weird, bag because yeah. a weird frankenstein they, of they all take three. the first game and they tie it into the movie they were releasing and they add a whole new plot point i would argue that is a better playing experience than playing the original ratchet and clank in 2021 and i love the original ratchet and clank right man i think you're gonna you're probably gonna have a lot of those a lot of that decisions when you're going like uh the playing experience of yeah playing the original game now versus playing the new game now the new game's probably going to win every time in terms of what you just said the playing experience um well, unless, unless you were playing the gta trilogy right and had your mods that right, made right, it look right. better no i'm talking about yeah full <laughs> remakes but like what what would you say like what would you say like in I'm, I'm really thinking in terms of the say the uh a remake that gives you a better experience or you say as creates a better feeling than say what you remember playing the original not necessarily what it would be like playing the original now in in modern times but that was say the experience of playing this the new remake was better than playing the first one do you think that's even possible Mm. it's tough i would say 
if we had more, like one or two more of the Final Fantasy VII remake parts mm-hmm. released, so I could judge more of a holistic version right. of it, because you know that's the first five hours of the first disc of original Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. extrapolated into a game. Mm-hmm. I would say that's, and that's almost because that game is more of a like a nod and a wink to the people who've played the old game. Cause it's not, exa- it's like not a one for one retelling. It's like a parallel universe where people are aware spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's been, like a it's year been and out a long enough at this point. Yeah, And, when, and by the time <laughs> yeah, this episode yeah. comes out, yeah, it'll be long enough. I don't, yeah. I don't know that that's possible though, Ben. I think that's a, a fair question, but like there's, I don't know. First time, first time, it always hits best, right? Like that's kind oh, of yeah. the rule of thumb in my I mean, mind. I, I think, yeah, it's it's pretty much the kind of the logical fallacy of nostalgia is that you know you think you can recapture it, and of course you you're not going to. But I from I can't necessarily say this from personal experience. I'm just going off of what I was able to research. The you know what constantly kind of gets heralded as like the best remake, kind of like not even just of its time, but ever. Um, I think was you have you have it here uh, resident evil 2 the gamecube one it's like i think oh, yes. i think that's uh from everything i've read it's basically like that one was better than the original and it's the creators will say that and it was driving the reasoning back then uh behind doing it is because it was like they were there originally were technical limitations that kept them from yeah no no more limits of the hardware yeah, it's like quote unquote telling the story that they dreamt of or that they wanted to tell so things like that when you've got significant quality jump i think is definitely possible but i think again this is something that we'll, we'll get into later i think that window of what of possible has be, has uh shrunk now because I, I was reading something interesting how it's like the era of the remake is ending and, and developers need to prepare for it because the most utility or uh feasibility of um, or particularly the sellability of uh, these types of games are from games that of a significant era previous, whereas the jump from the early the early versions to now is enormous. But say a jump from a PS4 game to like they even speculated like uh, a PS8 or whatever is not going to be as big. The differences could still be there, but the jumps won't be as large. The only way the jump could get that big is if something ridiculous in VR happens right? in like the next 20 years. We go full Ready Player One, yeah. The metaverse, the it's, metaverse. it's coming, baby. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, you were going to say something? No, I think that's that's a good... I think that's exactly right. And I think if you look back, it's essentially like PS2 and before has enough of a jump. But like even PS3 games... You, you had a, a pretty modern gaming experience at that point. Like back when I got my PS4, I st- there was still like for several years, I still went back to play certain games on my PS3 because oh, I just Star Wars, Star Wars, Revenge else. of the Sith. Oh my God, man. I would boot up my PS2. Like even when I still had my, like it was before we moved. It was like the last time I played it and yeah. it was, it still was amazing. A beautiful experience. I was watching, uh, you know, leading up to this, the Scott Waz YouTube video that you had sent, right? Scott, mm. Scott the Waz. Link in the show um, notes. And, you know, he he had gone through this kind of history of how remakes, remasters, re-releases, you know, ha- have come about. And it was largely for console games, but he kind of mapped out, you know, at least how I understood it, um, these different like arcs of how, games uh you know these re-releases remasters uh remakes the triple r's um you know how they go from based on the technology jumps are these big um brand new games full price tag you know re-release that are really kind of changing the graphics so like going from the um the 2d to 3d era uh they're you know, you're re-releasing the game and it is kind of meaningful and it is bridging the gap between uh, different, you know, players of a different era to new games uh, or new players now to, to old games. But, you know, in the kind of like 
PS3 to PS4 era, it hit a lull where you run into the issue of changing over the graphics uh, wasn't that big of a deal. Well, I mean, like, look at The Last of Us. The Last of Us looks beautiful on PS3, and it's beautiful on PS4. It's a beautiful game. Exactly. And and even, like, going from the PS2 to PS3, there's a lot of these, like, bundle collection kind of re-releases um, from, from one generation to another because the, the, the... Yes, God of War is a perfect example. And because it, it wasn't uh, that much of a technological difference, you know, therefore, they didn't have to put too much money into it. You know, they were giving good deals essentially on games you know you're still paying a hefty price tag for a game but in most cases you were getting a lot of them well at the time it was basically 50 bucks and you were getting three games and like exactly bucks for three games is a good deal and i wonder if you know as we go forward in the remit you know the triple r uh arena of video games if because it's going to be easier um, and, and not that much of a difference technologically and you know graphically um, that you know we'll get these bundle collections, you know a, a second round of bundle collections instead of a, a one-to-one release or you know a single version of a game. I think uh, some manufacturers have figured out that they can piecemeal what would be bundle collections, and people will buy them individually. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did do that, the. That's uh, unfortunate. They did the three bundle Mario, though. It was a limited yeah, but release, but. Limited release. Yep. I think I, I don't want to necessarily get to my theory of where this is going, but I think, Mike, you, you said something interesting uh, there. And it, for me, I don't know how, how much more prevalent this strategy is going to be in video games. It'll always be there, but I think we're kind of at the height of it with where we're going as like these games as a service, because at this point, capitalism has decided they're just trying to extract as much as they can. And the games as service, like is just a, we're just going to see everything invested into each, each company is going to take their one game as service and just milk you for your, their skins and things like that. And so I don't know, I don't know how much more we'll see of this. I will definitely continue to see them do it. I just think um, we might be at the peak. Capitalism loves to breed competition. Doesn't it folks? Well, I think, and that's why going to the, you know, saying they're going to switch to these bundle collections, you know, it's just an easy way for them to pump it out is not being the main focus of their business practice, which is what it seems to be right now for a lot of these studios is like making re-releases, you know, the, the triple R's of, uh, you know, of video games. I, I don't see foresee that continuing for all these reasons we've discussed and, you know, if they could have a secondary market that's just cheap and easy for them to, you know, essentially port these video games over just to the make new them console. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, probably making yeah, them absolutely. worse. You know, they're just going to pump them out because whatever, we'll sell you three games, but we'll get 50 bucks for it. And, you know, people will just slop it up. The one thing I would say is, you know, we, we can always trust again, the, uh, the people in the, decision-making positions to make the worst decision, you know, for the regular everyday person. Uh, they know what's best for us. Right. But it, it, it sticks into the, the, the reality that I've, I've seen stuff um, talking about how, you know, just technology wise, the, the state of uh, today's development tools, it just makes the remastering of games, you know, easier than, uh, than anything else. You know, it requires fewer workers, smaller teams, uh, less less needed for marketing and not to talk about yeah. all the the risk mitigations that go with you know banking on established ip and let's we should also you know be talking all of this this kind of you know the nostalgia baiting of you know the triple r's that, that you're calling it mike which i like um say so the video game industry is not alone in in that they are not unique in this they are you know the the it is what we see is a symptoms, a symptom of larger things that we'll get to. But as so long as that remains the, the fact that it is, you know, just easier and, uh, you know, an easier bet to do it. Of course, we're going to keep seeing them no matter if the quality is shit, no matter if what we're getting is, is crap. And again, I think what we'll get to is people are still going to fucking buy them. 
<laughs> That's actually a really good point we should actually bring up right now is like, who are these actually for, you know, when we're talking about this? Because they're always going to try to leverage, like, you know, bringing it to new players. You know, is it for bringing it to the older players and making them feel really good about the old games? Again, we've already discussed it a bit. Like, is it for the developers? Is it because it's an easier game to put out because we've hit this new cycle, you know, where games need to come out constantly? Mm. You know, we need to have games constantly coming out new, 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 because we need new uh, marketing out all the time for new games and if new game marketing is out people are going to be asking about it and you know it's a it's yeah. a constant machine that's churning forward you know we got i mean constantly got to be making more money than we did last year so yeah exactly and like this you know look look out for our our other uh podcast episode on the economics of gaming but i think if you i, I was trying to do this research i couldn't i couldn't find anything collected that was at least you know easily google searchable but i think my theory would hold true uh if you could do it essentially all these larger developers have been purchased by the the larger sony microsoft's and you know you have your few other big players like ubisoft but essentially these developers there's no independent developer and and producer anymore of video games they're nope. all publicly traded like large organizations Mm-hmm. Yeah, which exactly like for for AAA gaming, which is where the the only money really exists in gaming at this point, is is all just dominated by these publicly owned companies, and that's I think something that's really become more prevalent over the last even ten years, which coincides with all of these remakes and remasters becoming a more common thing that we're just seeing, you know, games from five years ago being remastered every year. It's just a cycle, just. To purposely generate more earnings on a yearly basis. How many Grand Theft Auto fives do we need? Oh yeah, it's, it's you, a you it's honest play, question. Sitting, I remember sitting and playing Grand Theft Auto Five on my roommate's Xbox 360, listening to it almost overheat and die. <laughs> <laughs> and then this game is coming to PS5. What? What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so again, referencing that video, like. Scott the Waz's video, he at the end of this kind of tries to come to an analysis like you were getting to, Andrew, but ends up saying that the fact that there's like these categories that aren't adhered to by developers is, uh, you know, allowing the artists themselves to make creative choices within whether it's a remake or a remaster. And I, you know, I kind of I completely disagree with that. And I think it's the the wrong conclusion. And the conclusion is more of what you were getting at, Rick, where you say that, you know, because they're publicly traded companies, they're only looking towards the short-term gains that are going to raise the stock prices for their, their shareholders, which they have a fiduciary duty to, you know, give them wealth. So here's capitalism draining art because the bottom line is that, you know, we have X amount of resources uh, and, and money to throw at a project. You need to take those resources and give us the maximum profit from it. So whatever choices the developers then make or the artists make are strictly within the bounds of, you know, making the choices within a, you know, a, a capitalist uh, idea of, of making their, their bottom line. Yeah, and just like what, talking about that, imagine someone like all of these things have to be pitched. So if you're pitching an idea that's new, and they're gonna be like, "All right, well, what do you, what do you think the profit margin is? What what's the expected sales number?" And you're like, "Well, it's a new IP, so uh, we think we roughly can get this many people interested, and in, and we'll purchase this. Here's some some comparisons to other games." And then you know the next person comes in and they're like well we want to remake tony hawk's pro skater and we know that there's like 10 million people who played that game and want to buy it remastered so where where do you think the funding is going to go and even think of like you know having to prove your new ip if you if you do if you were to go set out and prove that there's a market for it you know you have to do market research you're going to have focus groups you're going to have testers you're throwing all these additional resources behind you know making a new ip uh, successful. Oh yeah, that that's like hidden cost in a way. 
exactly. exactly. It just lowers your profit margin on the IP on the old, on the new IP while the old IP doesn't have that. Exactly. Uh, the one thing I, I think uh, is worth bringing up now, um, based off kind of the point you were just making, uh, Mike, about this trend's impact on, say, the art itself of video games. Where do we see the, you know, the value, or or what position in the does uh, remakes and remasters? What does it serve in, uh, say, preserving? culturally significant artifacts like these bits of artwork that are also technologies that are limited by the you know the medium through which they are presented to the public we know that they they service the the bottom line of the companies that make them we know that but do they do they serve some good for us the everyday you know member of society i mean my answer to that kind of depends and some of it especially for like the older games, I think a lot of the like cultural significance of, you know, the graphics from that time, like, you know, the 2D graphics on an N64, that's part of the significance of the artwork there. Uh, So for me, a lot of the cultural preservation happens with emulators, um, but that, is a topic for a whole nother episode. That's, that's a big old can of worms that we might like dip our pinky in for like just a second. Right. Yeah. Cause we're, we're, we're talking, we're basically, we're talking about, uh, you know, gaming preservation, essentially Mm -hmm. the preservation of gaming. It's a big topic. Uh, it's something I've actually personally experienced. Uh, I'm a big souls fan as many of you know, and many people who will listen to the podcast will know for a long time, uh, strap in. And I would never, yeah. have been able to play demon souls which is the game that started it all unless i went out and bought a ps3 and bought a working disc copy of the game and was able to do it that way and then they remade the game for ps5 and it's also in theory coming to pc based on some weird leaks and stuff that have been relatively accurate so coming to pc is the real king of uh preservation because once it's on steam that's pretty relatively permanent because they'll let you download the games when they're going to die eventually yeah i would say that i'm kind of like uh my perspective is a little bit tainted by my own personal experience and that i seem to have benefited from say remasters oftentimes uh in the fact of getting to play an older game um that i missed out the first time the very very few times have i as i'm like going through my my back catalog and all this stuff realizing that most of like the remasters i played i was playing them for the first time almost none of them were say nostalgia buys for me so i'm a little bit yeah biased on that question and that like yeah for me they helped me experience games that i maybe would not have been able to in the past so yeah but imagine emulating them for free True. I mean, yes, the thing is, it should be like, I mean, I, I, I personally am in favor of, you know, there, there's definitely a, an argument to be made that, you know, these games have a certain shelf life, you know, in terms of in basically thinking that like their status in the public domain should kind of reflect that, you know, and after a while, yeah, they do just become, uh, like I kind of said already, cultural artifacts that should be freely available and accessible. Cause like, let's be honest, the market for a lot of these games after a certain time does dry up for a lot of them. They do get cheaper too. I mean, that's the whole patient gaming aspect where you wait for games to get really cheap. Like I bought a PS4 two years ago and got like the entire PS4 catalog for like 10 to 20 bucks a piece. Yeah. But now try doing that now amidst a pandemic. Can't find a PS4 anywhere. Yeah. I was worried. I was worried when I wasn't getting my PS5 that I was going to have to, gonna have to try to get a uh, a replacement ps4 when mine has finally shits the bed oh my god i've been I playing helped I, you out there i've been playing god of war recently and i could just hear the thing fucking wheezing in the back <laughs> oh my god <laughs> just wait till you play god of war on ps5 especially that ps4 and considering like where it's been Ooh. and all the it you know Ooh. it's just like a a 70 year old smoker imagine 10 pack before you imagine opening that thing up yeah but can we can we open it up i want to see (laughs) i want to see the inside i kind of don't 
it would say too much about me. <laughs> but you need to double mask to <laughs> to open that case. I I have a similar experience in finding these have to have been uh my most common like experience with remakes and remasters has been oh a game that came out the prior generation that I never got to play and was interested in and so now I'm going to get to play it such as uh the mafia one which I just started playing on the PS5 I I'd, I'd always wanted to check out the mafia games and now I'm getting that experience so I do think they they have some value from that perspective I I I do struggle with that. I do, but it's like, it's just too much at this point. And they're too soon. I think there should be like a 20 year moratorium, like just before you get to remake something. Yeah. It's uh, they definitely have sped up the clock a little bit. I don't think there's as much also that's worth remaking remastering from a certain time period. There was a time period where gaming got weird again. Like what weird in a good way or weird in a bad way. Uh, Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> Depends on what type of weird you're into. Like the the end of the PS2 was a weird time for for games being developed. Then, man, that was that was my like uh, you know entry into gaming. Yeah. Was that era? I, mean, I gotta take a, a long my, look at myself. My gaming entry was uh, the O'Day family across the street had a Super Nintendo, and me and my dad had a Game Boy Black and White. Ooh, classic. Yeah, I mean, I think I think looking even at like you know, Tomb Raider was a definitive edition a year after it initially came out. Like that shit, that's that's unnecessary. Well, yeah, that that also had the the luxury of an end of release uh, console generation thing, mm-hmm. where it released on like the the 360 era, and then the the one in PS4 era was like the next year. They they love that though. I mean. They do. GTA five did that twice. To me, that just screams like, oh, we made a, an unfinished game here. Wait, here's no, here's here's the real game. My, here's bad. how it's actually supposed pay, to play. Pay, yeah, pay us again. Sorry. The CD project red model. Hey, at least those My favorite is it, run, it runs fine on PC. And yeah, PC, if it if a game runs fine on PC, that's great. But if it releases on console and can't play, like that's there are people who that's, <laughs> that's like their, their only entry. Be on the lookout for a future CD Project Red episode. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, so, actually, a, a good segue point here. Um, we've been talking a lot. We all said we had entry points. Does anyone off the top of their head just want to, you know, quickly say their favorite that they've, you know, thought back on and experienced or something recently for a remake, remaster, a good memory? Like, we've been talking a lot of bad. Let's. I mean, you already mentioned mine. Basically, it's probably the one of the of the research from the research that I've done. It's the one that I can say I played the original, and the remake was Ratchet and Clank. Um, and absolutely, and I liked this. I liked the remake. I thought it was good, um, despite even you know the cross media tie-ins, which I've said, which uh, you know, real heads will know that you know I despise the cross media platform. Get get uh you know, say get my Star Wars and Dune out of Fortnite. No thanks. Um, oh my god, platform economy. But I uh I liked the the remake. It it did not fully capture everything to me. I remember one thing eating away at me was the fact that you couldn't get all the different types of boots. The cool boots, oh, like you only absolutely. had you only had grind boots, which were uh, in in their defense the best the best boots to have but i remember the original game to work oh my god man you know how much happier my commute would be you would just you would just see me yeah in the morning just (laughs) relaxing all cool corporate Uh, overlords you listening and then terms of remasters (laughs) i mean i again also benefited from one of the countless skyrim remasters and i know rick oh yeah we have we haven't even talked about the skyrim remaster ultra mega man anniversary Uh uh-huh I'm pretty sure the first time I played was wonderful the, remastering was the anniversary one. And I, I enjoyed it despite any of its flaws. So I'd have to say my f- favorite re-release. Yeah, you know, we haven't touched much on re-releases, but favorite re-release is Pokemon Crystal. Hands down. I would say my favorite remake is uh heart gold soul silver so of course both pokemon uh 
and from the same generation but i you know i think pokemon is an interesting model to look at their uh their business practices in general but to look at you know how they have tackled the issue of remakes remasters re-releases um you know could be an episode in and of they, itself they do all of it yeah exactly they do all of it um and the let's go series you know, yeah I've I've been expecting an announcement for a Let's Go Gold or Silver Edition for like a year and a half now. Because I know I'm, people I know go they're going to do it. Yeah, and it's a simple. You know, they're another one that it, it, that's a simple way to get everyone, new people involved. You know, new players, old players, hit the nostalgia button. You know, and Pokemon's audience is another. It, th- there's another episode in and of itself because you know that audience ranges from six years old to you know uh, regular old adults that still play. Um, hey, and at least uh, in the Let's Go games, you're no longer beating up the wild Pokemon. You're only beating up other people's animals, not the wild. That's ones. fair. You're only catching and enslaving the wild ones. Yeah, I think uh, my my experiences with these definitely. I gotta. I'm with you guys on the Ratchet and Clank uh, remake remaster. That was a pretty authentic experience, and and I enjoyed it front to back. Uh, Skyrim, Skyrim got me through the first two months of COVID quarantine. So I put I put a lot of hours into that uh, that remaster and re release, and I thought that uh, that was a lot of fun for me. So I can't I can't hate them for that one, although. Maybe they should make the next Skyrim as opposed to just continuing to re-release it. I would I would appreciate that. Although, won't, and it won't even be on a PS5. So, Wait, you, uh, you you want a new one? <laughs> yeah, you, you're getting I... more Skyrim, my friend, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> oh, look, they're gonna add texture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be 8K a... VR, and you're going <laughs> to love it. <laughs> I would play VR Skyrim. It exists. Oh shit! Well, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the PS5 VR, the new, the next edition, and then I'll, I'll be in. I have been looking forward to that. From the patents I've seen, it looks like it'll be interesting. I hope it matches what it could be. All I'll put there. Yes, uh, it's my turn. I will say that my favorite remake has been Demon Souls. And that's, I have no idea what the original played like. I've only played the remake, but that like the ability to play it alone makes it my favorite because it it was, it was the one game that was going to be never touched from their uh, library for me and being able to like check that one off the list and, you know, see that little platinum trophy fill up on the corner with a hundred percent. We know that's a big deal for, for Matt. (laughs) <laughs> you love your said that would just eat away at him at his soul yeah <laughs> forever and ever i i only hunt those those hundred percent completions for the good games i don't do that for fodder and demon souls masterpiece for a ps3 game i can't believe that i mean obviously mm-hmm. it's you know remade in 4k and gorgeous like didn't look that good back then but as far as like a remaster I'm going to throw some love towards the uh, Mario All-Stars. I gave it some hate, limited release. Don't like that. Uh, it, I did buy it, though. I'm a good little, Damn. you know, good little puppet. Bought what they told me to because they told me it wasn't going to be around forever. And I like my games. And hey, guess what? And Mario Sunshine was huge. Absolutely. Uh, I was just about I to play that like, since though, hey, like 04. What? Nintendo 64 Online has uh, Mario 64. But they'll probably charge another like twenty bucks when they add GameCube in four years. So you could you could just wait for that. Oh, uh, Rick, you've played the uh, you've played some of the the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. That's one of the uh, more recent positively received remasters. That one's close up. It's yeah. next. It's like I think I've got one. That one actually in made between. me interested in Mass Effect. Once once my PS5 gets here, I'm, I am playing the new Ratchet and Clank. And then I will be diving into Mass Effect. Uh, so I have not played that one yet. So that was not on my list, but it's on my to get to list. But Rick, how are your yeah? How are your thoughts on that? No, I uh, I have played that. Uh, I'm like 
probably three quarters through the first Mass Effect game at this point. I thought it was, you know, it's it's definitely more a, uh, it's definitely just a remaster. It's not a remake, but they've made it look, you know, pretty good. It's a PS3 game originally, and, you know, it's got some of that more polygonal graphics that the PS3 still had, but they've smoothed it all out and it runs really well and you know the uh the combat for a shooter that's from that generation has kind of been updated enough that you don't really notice it in the way that some other you know remasters and re-releases don't really a lot of people complain get upset when combat's still outdated uh so i've really enjoyed it and i've enjoyed those games so far i had not played them i had always wanted to so when that legendary edition came out i i did jump at that and uh it it is it's been a good experience i I can't i can't say it's not been fun we'll say i do always love the complaint of why is the uh why is the ai feel so old and dated well it's a (laughs) old game sorry (laughs) yeah but I, I've enjoyed that game as well. I've I've played I've definitely played a lot of these. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. Uh looking just back on my shelf, there's a lot of games that have, you know, deluxe, remaster, trilogy, definitive edition, written all over the place back there. I will say that uh one game we have not talked about really that I did want to bring up is is God of War from uh just a few years ago i i hadn't played that franchise previously but i thought that is probably like the best thing you could have come from one of these projects where you know it's it's pretty much a reboot they took some old ip that was existing but but they definitely gave it a fresh take and that game is just super well, that, fun definitely one well, of that's my all that was all new, f- like full new assets and everything right you yes. know, that's, yeah that's nothing that's that is it, a, again no, it's, it's, it's a more reboot. of a full-on reboot yeah. than anything yeah. else yeah no it was a reboot yeah. but you know it's it's still it's still working within oh it, it, it's sticking the with the lore it's sticking with the timeline yeah. it's just a time skip like any yeah. good anime like any good anime like i said i'm i'm chugging along in god of war right now the great game it'll be the it'll be the fine it'll be the swan song for my ps4 it's it's a beautiful game i i really enjoyed that one wrap it up i mean that's at here's a fun segue on that that's getting ported to pc this january yeah upcoming yeah i'm really excited so i could start playing it (laughs) i played it on rick's ps4 and i haven't played it since i've i've been jonesing did you ever did you ever play the whole the whole thing or re, were you just playing bits and pieces? I had my own like profile yeah, so safe, I didn't finish uh, the game but I uh played a good portion of it. Yeah, you would definitely put in at least a, you know, 10 15 hours maybe. Probably more than that. I I definitely like at least got through like 50% of the Oh, you got it further than I realized. The main story, yeah, cuz like when you would go away, I would just like grind out, you know, till my eyes bleed like you know, my favorite was like studying and then playing uh, God of War right after. And I would like order Mac Arnold's, <laughs> put a little well, tequila actually... in my Sprite, play <laughs> oh, a little yeah, God of a War. Good, that's a good night. That's a good Man. night. <laughs> the good old days. That, that, that's actually a good point there. We should we should talk about because, you know, you, you said before, Rick, that that's your first experience with the God of War series. You know, now you're a new player and. You know, how do you experience the old games? Well, you have a PS5, right? So you can play the PS4 games. So you can play God of War 2018 and you can play God of War 3 Remastered because that's the game that they playing that. That's the the game that they brought to PS4, but they brought it by itself. A game that had originally been bundled with God of War and God of War 2 when it was brought to the PS3 amazing and then they changed like one slight graphic and then brought it over to the ps4 and called it a, a new game so that's one of those like weird like why, why are you not letting me play your games and there's the theory that sony's got their own game pass clone coming out 
Oh, I mean, that's that's all over the, sand rock. I think it was or something. that's like all that. over the news. Yeah. All the industry insiders are like, yeah, they, basically, if they're not, they need to be or else like it's the, yeah. it's the one thing that Xbox has and Microsoft have been able was, to do. It was going to be a, it was going to be a tiered system. Back. It was yeah. going to be like the base tier is just your normal PlayStation Plus subscription. Uh, tier two would be like PS1 to PS3 games. And then like tier three would be PS4 and PS5 or something like that. I hope it's not like that. I have a yeah. If, no, that's if definitely it's going coming. to happen, I have a feeling that'll be how they do it. But I would be interested if they're going to bring that to PC, because bringing that to PC would be the big like Sony's like slapping it down on the table and having their having their fun, because you, that would bring their catalog play... to a way that hasn't been touchable. But you can already do PS PS Now uh, has a a PC app. True. PS Now is also oh, uh, comparatively dog shit. Yeah. Oh, 100%, PS Now is also but... uh, game streaming, so it's there's latency stuff there if you have bad internet. You can you can download. You couldn't before. I know when I originally played PS Now on my little PS TV box, which is still sitting back on my shelf. <laughs> the fuck uh, is a PS TV box? Okay, so you know you remember the PS Vita? <laughs> yes. Like six years into the PS Vita's lifespan, they're like, this thing kind of isn't selling. What if we just like took the screen and shit off, plugged it into the TV and turned it into a little streaming box, except it can't stream anything but PS Vita games and PS Now. <laughs> so like, it, you can put PS decisions. Vita games in there in the little memory card and it's, it's fine. And it does its job. To, it actually does a pretty good job of playing PS Vita games on the TV with a DualShock uh, 3 controller. But it like when you play PS Now through it on like even a moderate internet connection, at least back in the day, like trying to play any sort of PS3 game, it was so bad. Oh my God. I tried playing Darksiders and I was like, I can't move. It's like I would hold the stick and my character would start walking like three seconds later. Yeah, no, the, the streaming sucks unless you have like crazy good internet, even still. But uh, you can download games. At least you can. I'm fairly certain you can on the computer as well, but you definitely can on the console. I am a PS Now member. We all have our uh, our memberships that, you know, we, we, would, away. we would, well, that we would just like, you know, they're shameful. Mm-hmm. That we We're not so proud of, of yeah. We're not no, I'm not that. proud of that one at all. I'm I'm absolutely I'm full of shame. Yeah, shame. I mean, I think we've done a lot of uh, proving here, though. That like you know we've all bit on a lot of these games as right. new consumers or previous consumers. So like it clearly works. Like it's clearly not a new practice, as Mike was pointing out. I've been doing it forever. Yeah, and as we said earlier, it's it's not like video games as an industry are unique in this in this capacity like the entertainment industry as a whole is at the moment at least fueled by the by nostalgia and i nostalgia and soups right i mean the most recent spider-man is just nostalgia machine in the movies yeah combine all yeah whip all that together yeah well and then combining like those two ideas we've just been conditioned so long with our consumption of entertainment, whether it's video games or movies, that this is something that's going to happen. Games are going to be remade. Franchises are going to be remade. You know, we can expect that. So we've trained our brains in a, in a sense that this is something that we want because it's a known expectation at this point. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I think the, uh, whole point that you're making about the fact that this extends across media uh and the you know the main driver there is that all of media has been co-opted to just be the most capital efficient that it can possibly be and shareholder value yeah and driving shareholder value that that happens with disney who you know essentially makes all of our movies now happens with Netflix, who makes your TV shows. It happens with our video games. You know, all of this is just driven by the need for profits that are easy. And and I I think it's it's pretty much like definitive 
that's the reasoning behind why the industry does it. You know, the industry does it because it's easy. The market is there, or at least they perceive it to be there. Um, we know from, uh, or I should say it is essentially kind of uh, agreed upon as decided fact that the fascination with remakes and remasters and and the recycling of IP or in general, even across entertainment, it's generally understood that, you know, that that's bad, that this, that these are just cynical cash grabs, that it's, it is purely uh, the means for these companies to extract as much profit from us that they can. So my question is, if, if that's the case, and we all understand that to be true, as I think is right, why is the market there? Why do people keep buying? Why, why do we, why do we bite on the the nostalgia bait what is it about us that has got us so captured and i mean i'll i want to get your guys insight on it i've got some a, a little bit of analysis here that you know i i'm afraid is a little bit more doomer pilled but uh so i'd maybe like to get some other insight first well I, th- I think that goes to you know what i was saying earlier that the consumer is conditioned to expect nostalgic products you know, uh, everything is based on a brand now. So, you know, part of that brand is its history and its cultural significance and whether or not you've participated in that cultural signifier. Um, and, you know, it just gets recycled and you want to participate and you're conditioned to participate in that participation is consuming these products that, you know, the, the businesses have conditioned you to expect to be released on a, you know, two to three year basis. Look at a, like, this is one that hits me, especially it's like Square Enix and Final Fantasy seven. No, I love the Final Fantasy seven remake. Great game. Love playing it. But this is a game that they fragmented so much. This is, they're going to sell this thing for like 20 plus years. And, you know, then they're going to be selling bundles, you know, with like parts one, two, and three, you know, HDS plus, x because it's 4k Square Enix, so there's virtual gotta be an x in there somewhere like it's it's gonna take a long yeah. time to get through these games at this point and like they're gonna everyone 70 bucks 70 bucks 70 bucks and you know and after three generations it'll be 80 dollars, and then you know they're gonna keep going up they're gonna keep charging they're gonna keep fragmenting that's what you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of games get broken down and remade into smaller chunks into bigger chunks doing the opposite of what I do for a living, which is taking bigger things and turn them into little things. I hope not. I don't know. I think I, to, I don't think, I think, you know, listening to our experiences, a lot of us, I don't think are as getting nostalgia pilled as much as the normal consumers. That's why we're all saying our, in our experiences, most of these games were, we're buying the remakes and remasters to experience it for the first time. But I think that nostalgia hits hard. And I think a lot of people just want to get that feeling back of being a kid sometimes. And (laughs) ultimately they're going to, they're going to take the risk that maybe this time that 60 or 70 bucks is actually going to make them get that little taste back. And you know, nine times out of 10, I don't think it does. I I don't know about you guys. They've not fulfilled, but. Um, but I really love when I play a game now that I played as a kid. There's like, oh wow, this game was so hard, and I like crush it. Like, oh, what do you, what a like little shitty little gamer, like get good kid, or the exact opposite happens where you crush it as a kid and then you play it as an adult and you're like, what is going on? How did I have the like Mountain Dew fueled fingers to pull this off? So I think that um, kind of touching on what both. Um... Mike and Rick were saying like I think Mike you're right that it's like the the public uh is conditioned to expect nostalgia but I think it's more um covert than that or I think it's more subconscious than that um I think it's like why in general are do we as a society seem to be stuck in this kind of collective hunger for those comforts of nostalgia that you're talking about, Rick is like, why, why that, why does nostalgia hit hard for us? And I think it is because again, we are, we are conditioned to expect this, but it is the reality of, or it's, it is a cultural symptom 
of a reality where we as a society cannot rightly conceive of a future that's worth striving for. So we retreat to the past. The only avenue for enjoyment, for joy, for expression, for meaning lies in the past. It's our, it's our only, uh, the only hope that we have is to try to recapture something that we experienced in the past because we see the future as bleak and not worth engaging with. Um, we, it's familiar, it's comfortable, but we, we know it's bad. We know it's regressive, but we do it anyways, because, you know, it keeps the, those dark thoughts at bay. You know, the ones that whisper, you know, the good times have come and gone, but, you know, at least, at least, you know, you can kind of ignore that for just a little while longer when you watch and you, when you try to, again, reignite that old flame of something that, that captured you as a kid, because that is, that is what our culture has left us at this point is nowhere to go forward. And that's kind of my kind of doomer look on why, why nostalgia has captured entertainment. And I can speak for myself and say that, you know, a lot of times, you know, gaming can be an escape, you know, you, you throw the headphones on, you, you shut everything off and you just game for a little bit. Good way to get away from it all. And I mean, for me, at least, I always like to, you know, like take the phone, like put it away. Just like sit, sit down and enjoy something without something else, like cutting into it. And Ben, I think kind of like building off that another uh, lens to look at it is like how our cultural artifacts that represent our youth um, have changed over time. So, you know, in the past, it may have been a like a physical toy soldier that you had played with um, and holding on to that throughout your adulthood is, you know, it's something that you could go back to and kind of like play with the toy, get lost in that like nostalgic feeling, get lost in that moment of uh, of being a child again. But so much of our our childhoods now are filled with consumption and filled with, you know, uh, kind of like getting the next best thing that, you know, companies kind of have preyed off of that, that need that we have to kind of like go back to that, you know, uh, easier time. Um, and, you know, instead of it being something physical that we've, you know, held onto or has been passed down from generations as like that cultural signifier of that time, Mm -hmm. it has, you know, become, uh, these games that you you can't hold on to because you know they change from console to console, generation to generation. So you know they have to be remastered in order to kind of uh, get us to that place. It doesn't help also that a lot of this you know hardware locked games, a lot of these hardware locked games that you're experiencing, you know, those consoles were toys. You know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, saying, yeah. they, they cost a lot of money. So a lot of people would take care of them, but to, to an extent, they were kids toys still. So, like they didn't get taken care of very well. So, like there's not a lot of ways to get your hands on like good quality hardware that can still play as easily, you know? Yeah. And you can't, it's not like a, a tin army man from back in the day that you put a little bit of uh, elbow grease into it yeah. and it works again. So I, I would say this is where we can kind of firmly stake our, gra- our ground that emulation is communism and therefore it is good. Yeah, correct. Correct. Copyright is bullshit. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just definitely, I just definitely, I agree with Ben. I agree with your take and and that it's, you know, we all just kind of want to go back to being a kid when you don't have to worry about the fact that uh, the world's on fire and we're all going to die. How about yours? So. <laughs> Maybe to bring things back around, though, um, lighten it, lighten the mood up a little bit. And I don't know, that's maybe up for your interpretation. Any remakes or remasters on the horizon that any that anybody in particular is excited for? I I don't know what does Pokemon Arceus fall in any of these categories? No, no. New game. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, like it's the Pokemon IP. But like, yeah, that's why it's hard. The, yeah. the Pokemon IP is just this incestuous monster, right? right. 
Yeah. And it's just like collapsed in on itself. And I'm just going to about to drop the hot take of the year for you on this podcast. Uh, I've had more fun playing the most reg- recent Digimon game than I have any Pokemon game in the last decade. Oh, shit. Bow, 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 uh, bow. Say, shots <laughs> fired. Shots fired. Digimon I, story. I, I say, Digimon heads. Where are you at? Digimon heads. Where are you at? <laughs> as, as a huge Pokemon head, I've, you, you know, you've said this to me a lot and I've uh, been, you know, leaning more and more towards, you know, opening up to playing Digimon. Isn't the Digimon anime far superior? Absolutely. I mean, the Pokemon anime is just dog shit. Right. <laughs> but not Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Good game. Uh, also been ported and, you know, remastered with its sequel put together in, uh, you know, as as games do, that was a that was a handheld title originally, so that was a PS Vita game. So I can I can see them wanting to bring that to different hardware, because you know PS Vita, it existed. Yeah, that essentially it existed. Man, I gotta say though, I am I am looking forward to the casual uh, Islamophobia and Orientalism of a remade Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Oh boy, you know, uh, just, yes. I'm just I, bird, oh, I'm just I forgot about, about that. About that I'm just Birdman over here, just like rubbing my hands together, just looking <laughs> over. Oh, I can't wait. I'm just like the sicko guy in the window. If it's not Jake Gyllenhaal, we send it back. Right? No, he's got to do the mocap. <laughs> Come on! Come on! <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely I'll be playing that. I never played those games. Definitely wanted to experience that uh, that Persian prince. Yes, that's so that's as I was looking up. I'm like, okay, I need to look no further. That's it for me. Remakes are good. Uh, we let's say the episode. <laughs> the episode is done. Over. Fiend. <laughs> yep. I mean, I actually think uh, we've hit a pretty decent point of the talking points. If anyone has any, uh, you know, finishing statement wrap wrap ups that they want to. I mean, I think just if we want to like put kind of a, a neat little bow on it, just saying that, uh, you know, remakes and remasters are kind of a, a, a troubled aspect of the industry that, uh, you know, that they are not, you know, uh, a unique perpetrator of and is a more of a symptom of our larger our larger kind of social reality than of anything of any market force or anything like that. And but with that, you can kind of take some grains of salt with it that there is some value that value does exist in the ability to, uh, you know, for for new new people or for, for new players to experience games for the first time. But we will again always come back to uh, they should uh, be free. <laughs> I, I don't know. We can cut all that if you want. And, and I'll add that at least from the perspective of like a new a new gamer or someone who's getting into gaming recently who hasn't played stuff in the past, I wouldn't feel bad about experiencing a game that maybe some people are saying, Oh, you know, it's a lazy remake. It's a lazy port. If you haven't experienced it, you know, if that's the, if that's the way you can experience the game, don't feel bad about it. Maybe wait for it to go on sale a little while, wait for it to be, you know, yeah. try not to pay full price if you can. Yeah. But like, don't feel bad about yourself for it, but try not to support the like super lazy, like, Hey, here's the GTA definitive edition. That looks worse than the original GTAs that were modded. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, you can't buy the original GTAs anymore. Cause we don't want you to buy those. We want you to buy this one. And then they put it back up because you know, backlash, scary dislike button, YouTube. All right. I think, th- I think that, uh, I was going to say, I think, uh, that I think that's nice... it. If that's everything. Yeah. Till next time, till we see you again. Any this plug? Is, your, uh, is there any plugs that we have? We can also come back and add some plugs if we need to. Yeah, big old plugs. Check out Love our Twitch. Yeah, check out our Twitch channel, campaign underscore comrades. Check us out on all the socials. Yeah, campaign comrades at YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe. And I want a YouTube flash that say that bell button. I, I want I want people fighting in our comment sections. I want wars. Yeah. I want people <laughs> saying their favorite characters from games and going to war over it. Hey, if it gets us 100k subscribers, so I could get a silver plaque. All right, let's do it for Mikey Deals. He's uh, say Mikey Deals. Uh, you can't sell the silver gunning. plaque though. You got to yeah. keep it. Hey man, hey man, clout means a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> The cloud Our economy. most valuable currency.
Yeah, this is a cloud economy. All yep. right. All right, Matt. All right. Well, thanks for leading leading us through this. This has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, until next time, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.